is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it! Underdog, and an and one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor, Cole Stukenholtz, and sports director, Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning, and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Two weeks away from kicking off the Husker football season out in Ireland. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello. We've got a new friend in studio. We'll introduce him as well, and... We, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to get Luke Mullen in here for the first time. He's the Journal Star guy covering football and baseball now, as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've had a lot of transition here since last football season. You guys have uh, quite the event coming up, you and Jack and <laughs> some friends from 1620. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I'll be, I'm a special Husker guest this next Thursday, <laughs> where I get to talk about all the upcoming Husker sports for the year, not just the fall. Yeah. Means I got to go back through the women's basketball roster, see what softball is bringing back, try and figure out who the heck is even going to be playing baseball for Nebraska this next year. Yeah. There's a lot going on in Husker sports, and it's all coming down 13 days away from volleyball starting. They'll play two matches on the 26th, mm-hmm. and then football on that Saturday. Yeah. In Ireland. And my kids go back to school on Monday, rocking oh, the, that's right. rockin the Husky shirt. And uh, yeah, that's 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 everybody out of the house again. I'm gonna I'm gonna be very excited about that. Uh, and before we dig into the show, uh, mm-hmm. season three of Bluey. Oh, that's just right. Came out this week. I want to do this real quick. On three, give me your favorite season three Bluey episode. You ready? On three or is okay? Is it one two three go? One two three shoot. Yes. Okay. All right. One two three. Chest. Unicorse. Unicorse is solid. Chest is good. All right, so uh, before we go any further, let's introduce our, our our new friend here, Caleb. I don't know his last name, so you're gonna have to do that. Oh. It's 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 Matt McMaster, but he's over here playing with everything. I don't know what's he, going on. He is so nervous. I'm right not now. nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm fine. Matt I'm, McMaster, I'm, welcome I'm, to the show. Welcome to KLIN. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm the new uh, news guy, football guy. I'm kind of like the new middle reliever uh, for KLIN. Doing a whole lot here. I go to I go to the University of of Nebraska Lincoln. Still, I'm going to be a junior uh, this year, and uh, just kind of brought on the boat, helping out Caleb, helping out uh, Mark and Tom in the in the news. So happy to be here. And you're originally from Chicago. I am originally. I'm actually. I was born in Evanston, Illinois. Funny enough, mm-hmm. uh, home home of the opponents of uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They could see the lake from where he was born. I I could. Wow, yeah, it's an amazing facility. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know what? I actually went to the facility. It's actually quite nice. They don't let people in it. Don't but, tell Jack. <laughs> yeah, but you you drive if you drive around it. It's actually very accessible. It's absolutely gorgeous. I can't believe they had the money to build it. Honestly, but uh, you know. It's uh I'm yeah well rather here. than play there we'd much rather go to Dublin that is true that is true <laughs> but uh yeah my actually my dad went there so we've been we've been talking a little bit mm-hmm. smack uh you know I am I feel like I'm officially I grew up a Northwestern fan I'll I'll officially call myself a Husker fan now I don't think I've ever been more invested into a a college football team my entire life I'm probably more invested. In the Huskers this year than I am the Bears because that's my that's my number one thing. Well, you so. you've you've been to two of the practices. I have been. so so I you, have you've been. Well, you've seen a lot more. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's you know kind of part of the reason why I'm on the show today. I've been to, I've been the practice reporter basically. Been going to the press conferences. Been in the last the only two open practices. Seen a lot. I've written a lot of notes and. Uh, you want to get into it? No, or? we'll we'll get into that in sure. the the second half hour of the show. Yes, because we're going to have to break down all of the pieces that are going into this sure. team and Absolutely. how everything's going to mesh. And um, you've seen some of those changes that we've talked about with some of the starters on special teams, who the running backs are, what kind of offenses Husker fans might like that they've been rolling out some packages for. So yep. all of that a little bit later in the show. Yes, lots to get to, uh, and. And we might also get a reveal of the the new alternate uni on Monday. Little little teaser video. Is that dropped. the rumor? I, I think that's what's up. You've seen all of the other yeah. Adidas uniforms come out. 
and they had that that teaser video that showed the the old scoring explosion. Yeah, one shot. I, I just don't like believe that they would come out with an alternate uniform that they wouldn't first invite people to a public street and a public event and have them host this entire thing and then tell people to not share any of the pictures so that they could then release it a few weeks later. I thought that was the process going forward. I mean, if you want it to be the process, you can give Trev a call. And it is, if that was better for you, I mean, that's uh, it's up was, to you. No, nah, it was stupid then, and it'd be stupid now. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, what has been bad for a long time now is this curse uh, yeah. upon Nebraska football. Yes. And 1,400 KLIN, 1,620 the zone in Omaha. You guys, you and Jack, John and Josh, have taken it upon yourselves to help Husker fans break the curse. Uh, I, I commend you for this undertaking. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a lot, frankly, because of all of the things that have happened in Nebraska football over the last two decades. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on and, and where this is at and, and how this is going to work. So we're hosting a Break the Curse party at Haymarket Park. This is going to be coming up on... The, uh, the 25th, so two days before Nebraska football begins their season, a day before volleyball. Um, and of course, we'll have our Friday Husker tailgate begin that Friday as well. So yeah. on the, uh, on the 25th, we'll be out at Haymarket Park. The boys from 1620 The Zone on Sportsmanlike Conduct, they'll be doing their show out there live from two to six. We'll open up the gates at 430 for folks to come in. It's free for all ages. Food, beverages, the whole works. They're really taking care of us. Charlie's been awesome to work with out there. Um, so you'll be able to go in, catch the, catch the latter part of unsportsmanlike conduct. And then at six o'clock, our friends, the Killigans are going to take the stage, kind of unofficially the band of Nebraska football in, in Husker sports, right? That's kind of how it feels. As close as you can get, I guess. As close as you can get without being the pride of all Nebraska. Yeah. Um, so Killigans are going to go up. They're going to play for about an hour. And then we're going to really get into the curse breaking. Um, and this is where we've, we're still asking for uh, listener help, fan help. Anything you guys think would help break said curse. Now, we're going to go through a number of theories. And boy, have we received some theories on where the curse started, what needs to happen for the curse to be broken. Um, it goes all the way back to, uh, you have the big ones, you've got the Steve Peterson, you've got Lil Red, um, but is perhaps just a coffee machine in the athletics office? Is that to blame? Wow, this is getting real deep. Um, whether or not we need to rub an egg on somebody associated with the football team? <laughs> There's there's been a suggestion for that. Someone said he's uh, Ecuadorian, and that's how they get rid of uh, evil spirits. Um, so there are some suggestions out there, and you can send those. You can find us on Twitter. Um, I, I'm at I Caleb Henry and Stukenholtz. Yeah, that's Stukenholtz. At, um, and then obviously at Jack Mitchell L and K. Um, and you can find all the information for it at KLIN.com. You can also text us in the Rick Stein Recognition talking text line four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred anytime, and we just bank all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been putting together a list. But we're going to go through all of those theories, and we're going to do whatever is needed to break the curse. Whether you believe that curse started with the firing of Frank Solich. Whether you believe it started with the hiring of Steve Peterson, whether it had anything to do with I-Course, whether it had something to do with there was some prayer in the middle of a play in Columbia, Missouri in 1997. If you think something happened in Colorado in 2001. Yeah, get get Chris Brown over here to Haymarket Park um, and just have him apologize publicly. So my prevailing theory was actually that as soon as the game was done, in the Orange Bowl after the 93 season, and a field goal was missed. Mm -hmm. To me, I believe a deal was made at that time because Tom Osborne still did not have a national title. I'm not saying T.O. made a deal. I'm saying somebody made a deal and said, we got to get this man some national titles. To me, that's when the curse was being, we were getting our end of the deal, and it ended up being three out of four years. Mm Mm-hmm. It almost wore off in year four. Mm-hmm. Almost wore off in Missouri. But I there was thought a, it did wear off in uh, in the Big Twelve, the first Big Twelve championship game in '96. Well, James Brown on fourth down too. 
but you were still seeing some residual effects of of what our yep. payment was, were, what we were getting. Yeah. Then you end up getting three titles in four years. One of them is split. And then the last about 25 years, 24 years, have been paying for that four-year stretch. I That's where I believe after the kick was missed against Florida State that would have brought Nebraska T.O.'s first national title. Someone went down to Georgia to, to meet somebody. Something happened. Looking for a soul to steal. Immediately after that missed field goal. Now, there are other theories out there, obviously, but we're going to go through. We're going to lay all the theories out there for everybody, and we're going to go through all the ways that we might be able to fix this. We've got some special guests we're lining up. Yes, there is an open invitation, and we are reaching out to get Frank Solich at the very least (laughs) to send us a message. Okay? Yes. We understand that that's where the majority of people believe the, the curse began. Yeah. So there, there's a lot that we're going to get into that evening. Um, it's also going to be a, a lot of fun actually happening right across from while we're, we have this going on. Um, Ice Cube with Cypress Hill, Bone yeah. Thugs and Harmony, Yin Yang Twins. Um, they're going to be over at PBA. We're trying to see if we can get some of them to come over. Absolutely. We're going all out to make this a good day. You tell them we're, we're breaking curses over here. We exactly. Need some, we need some music. Uh, someone said they want Ice Cube to come out in Calabrasca gear and burn it. <laughs> Was Calabrasca the reason? Calabrasca was part of the curse being extended, apparently. Oh, what is no. Calabrasca? Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my How sweet you, summer child. I'm, I'm 20. Oh, man. Um, so, Calabrasca, a few years ago, there were a number of. A number of recruits from this area, Calabasas, California. Sure. and Including Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Yes. Um, and because they were all committing to Nebraska, it was this Calabrasca movement. Okay. Okay, so they they made gear based off of it? There were people that made shirts. Yeah. Okay. Um, but as soon as USC and UCLA said they were joining the Big Ten, and now there's extra recruiting that'll go into California, sure. I feel like Calabrasca is coming I hope, back. I sure. hope they didn't bury that gear, because they can sell it again now. Well, you got to change the I to an A. That's fine. That's a, yeah. I just want to mention, like, 70% of what you guys think like broke the curse, I wasn't even alive for. So this is, this is, this is pretty deep cut. Pretty deep stuff here. Yeah, I mean, you you got your generation is having to figure out. Hold on, what the previous generations? Hold on, just a second. Set is, you up for is is the birth of Matt McMaster the start of the curse? I was born in two thousand two, so I am. I mean, I am kind of around the. Wasn't Solich? Wasn't he fired in in oh one oh three oh three? I mean, you're still post Rose Bowl though. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I was barely. I didn't even know Nebraska had a. A historical football program until like I applied for the wait school. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Nebraska. When, when, when's your birthday in 02? Uh April. All right. April two. I'm gonna I'm gonna math stuff backwards. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're into it's post, the. It's post Rose Rose Bowl. Well, him being born. Yes. I'm talking conceived. Oh my goodness. Jeez. I don't know. I don't want to talk that's, about that's, that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's early enough football that's, season. That's no. got something I want to get into on the, my first time on no, the no, radio. No, 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 no. Was the fact that there was a Matt McMaster on the way the curse that gave Nebraska football the loss during the season in '01, and then just set them up to fail in the Rose Bowl? Well. Quick math, he would have been conceived well before Jeez. the November Colorado loss. Yep. That's the only loss they had the regular season. Yep. So he was already on his way. Yes. For this earth. Yes. Are you the curse? I mean, maybe I am. <laughs> I, I just, I mean. Forget Little well, Red, people. <laughs> we have him. He's to, in the to studio be fair, right now. To be fair, I have, I have been alive for nothing. Like, well, I guess in the early, early 2000s, like, there was some. Nebraska success, but I've never really watched college football and saw Nebraska be good. I always thought as Nebraska is like, oh, they're you know, that's the team that uh, had that hail mary against Northwestern, that terrible hail mary. You would, you would know as a Northwestern, yeah, I watched that. That was, that was yeah, that was uh, not great. That's the that's the only really thing I remember them. So so forth. So maybe maybe I am the curse. Maybe I am. Maybe I've been brought here. <laughs> maybe I've been bestowed upon you just so you can break it. I don't know. I think we're onto something here. We're figuring it out. We're getting close. I'll be there. I'm excited for the event. Um, I'm bringing a lot of people. It's good. Be a good it, time. It, it, like we said, it's free for all ages. Come on out there. I know we're going to bring my family out there. Um, it's going to be fun. There's a lot going on. And if you're not necessarily into 
the the curses or the curse breaking and you go, well, the players just need to play better, the coaches need to coach better, and they need better talent. Cool. That's fine, too. At the end of the day, it's a pep rally for Husker fans that didn't go to Ireland. All right? Then we're going to do all we can in that moment to help out our Husker football team. That's right. All details, KLIN.com. Send your suggestions. Rick Stein Recognition Talking Text Line, 402-479-1400, August 25th. 4.30 to about 8 o'clock. You're going to want to be there. Yes, absolutely. That's good stuff. We will get that curse out of here just in time for the 2022 season. We're 14 days away from that, and we're going to talk with Luke Mullen from the Lincoln Journal Star about the Husker football team, where they're at heading into that opener, how things are looking. He's had a chance to be there post-practice, see a little bit before practice. Uh, we will start to dig in and... Uh, yeah, it's it's close. We're getting right there. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Stick with us. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour. Just two weeks away from the start of 2022 Husker football out in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, joining us now is somebody who has had his eye on Husker practice uh, here recently, just uh, figuring out uh, figuring out where the the program is. We got to turn the music off. Yep, that's, that's a long that's a long bro- uh, drop there. Anyway, uh, turn down for what? It's Luke. Turn, turn down for Luke. <laughs> he's he's uh, had a chance to observe some of that pre-practice stuff, uh, some of the post-practice uh, conversations with players and coaches, uh, and is the new guy there at the Journal Star as they've shaken up their roster uh, here this offseason, just like Husker football. Luke Mullen joining us uh, this morning. Luke, thanks a lot for joining. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you know, we were we we're doing a little transfer portal, a little uh, addition by subtraction here. So <laughs> definitely with the, the addition by subtraction when it involves Chris Bazin, you can tell him we said Oh, that. sad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, Luke, I want to start with just your general feel for what the program is right now. You've had a chance to see some of that post-practice uh, discussion, some of the pre uh, early practice stuff that, that they let the media observe. What's what's the vibe? How how is everybody kind of meshing, and and how do you think the the transition has gone with some of these new coaches from last year uh, in terms of getting everybody ramped up? Yeah, I mean that that was definitely something that we were looking forward to see. You know, during the spring and the fall, obviously a lot of different moving pieces. You know, new guys in different positions. Um, you know, players getting acquainted with that coaching staff. But I think. Things are very cohesive right now. It seems like all the different players are are really enjoying, you know, all the lessons that their coaches are handed down. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of the same coaches on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something we've seen kind of the continuity there. Obviously, a lot of veterans back on defense, too. So it seems like the early returns from, you know, the defense and practice have been very strong. And obviously, you know, getting that new Mark Whipple, you know, system set up on offense, um, Casey Thompson seems to be a great fit for it. I think that's why you've, you've seen Frost go out and say it's his job to lose. Obviously, I think getting the wide receivers up to speed has kind of been the challenge, you know, getting that O-line unit healthy and, you know, making sure those guys have chemistry. And of course, you know, the, the running back situation is still kind of playing out, but I think overall pieces are coming together on offense and, and defense has been very strong so far in practice. All right, Luke, but the question that everyone always comes back to, those are all very pretty positions, offensive line. Well, what, what what have been your thoughts? What have you heard? What have you been able to see a little bit of? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially seeing a little bit of practice, um, you know, seeing those guys work together, obviously Turner Corcoran being out from the portion that we got to see a few days ago um, was, was still a little bit of a blow. But, I mean, Teddy Prochaka seems to be really at full health um, right now, obviously, you know, Fingers crossed that continues throughout the entire season because he's going to be such a key guy there at left tackle, um, you know, kind of anchoring that unit as one of those strong players. And, you know, it's kind of interesting with Corcoran out, you know, having Brant Banks there at left guard and Bryce Benhart at right tackle. It's hard to say if that's necessarily going to be, you know, where those guys are going to line up during the season. There's definitely a lot of versatility there, you know, Banks, especially Benhart maybe could play on the interior as well. 
Um, so obviously, I think we're, we're looking to see Corcoran get back to full health. But I think so far, offensive line been pretty solid. But again, you know, in practice, they've been tested. It's going to be a whole different story against some of these opponents early in the year. Luke Mullen from Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, in terms of leadership, uh, obviously pretty important element to a football team. And there's been some talk about needing guys to kind of emerge to to be more vocal uh, outside of the usual suspects like the quarterback position or the guys that went to Big Ten media days. Has anybody emerged that, that some players or coaches have talked about or has somebody talked to the media about how they've become more of a leader? Definitely. Yeah, I think I think that's been a real challenge on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, obviously, on like I said, on defense, you have a lot of guys coming back there up front. Ty Robinson uh, has kind of been one of those vocal leaders, obviously. Like you said, Big Ten media days, Garrett Nelson, he's always going to be a fiery guy out there. Um, but, you know, on offense, obviously, you got Casey Thompson. Turner Corcoran has been a pretty good leader so far. Uh, but, you know, kind of what we've heard from some of these different position coaches is, you know, you're, you're looking to kind of have that guy out there who, you know, they don't have to be a coach, but, you know, you know, pat a guy, you know, tell him, keep your head up, you know, all, all the kind of just little things that you might need from your teammate. And wide receiver has kind of been the issue. Mickey Joseph just saying uh, a couple of days ago that he didn't have that alpha in his group yet. And I think what we're looking for from that is a real response from Omar Manning, um, you know, a senior, a guy who's been in the room for a couple of years, and he seemed to be responding pretty well to that. He's had a, a pretty good couple of days of practice afterwards. Um, so look for Omar, you know, to be in that mix. And obviously, if we can get Trey Palmer back out there, he was uh, sick and missed practice a couple of days ago. But a guy with a lot of pedigree, um, you know, a, a guy that teammates like, obviously, Marcus Washington will be in that mix, too, as a, a transfer wide receiver. So if any of those three guys can really, really step up as that leader in the wide receiver group, I think that'll really help the offense. Luke, what have you been noticing and hearing on special teams, both about the the specialists and about maybe the way things have changed from in the past and who some of the guys are that might be contributing to that phase of the game? Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot different um, setup for the special teams unit this offseason as compared to what they've been going through in recent years. Um, you know, obviously having Bill Bush there kind of in that special teams role. But at the same time, you have different position coaches. I know Eric Shenander has played a part um, in getting some of those guys, you know, in different packages there on the special teams unit. You know, obviously this has kind of been there in, in past seasons as well, but it sounds like they're really trying to get some of the second, you know, third string guys out there on special teams, you know, not just walk-ons, not just guys who aren't going to be seeing the field in other phases. I mean, we're talking starting wide receivers might be out there, you know, fielding kicks might have a, a starting cornerback or a second string secondary guy, you know, out there on some of the kick teams. So obviously don't have, you know, a full scope, I think, of, you know, exactly what's going on and, and where those guys are going to line up. But I think I think the most interesting thing that they still need to sort out is that punt return, that kick return spot. They're working a lot of different guys there, uh, wide receivers, running back Emma Johnson. He's been back there, too. And just interested to see, you know, will we see Trey Palmer in that role? He did it at LSU a couple of years ago, uh, but obviously going to be a key guy for the offense. So I'll be interested to see how they want to balance that out. Do you want your starting wide receiver back there fielding those kicks or maybe one of the depth guys? A couple more minutes here with Luke Mullen from the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, Luke, one of the things that I've asked a lot of folks in the last month or two is if, if you had a chance to get an honest answer from any one of these players or coaches, uh, about any single topic related to the program, uh, what would that question be? That's a good one. You, <laughs> you, you might about stump me there. I, I guess probably, you know, at, right now at this point in time, you know, forget about the players or necessarily the coaches. You know, I'd want to ask Trev Alberts, you know, what is the success? You know, what what makes this season a success? Obviously, um, I think there's been a little bit of discussion going on, you know, is seven wins, is six wins, is a bowl game, you know, does that quantify success in his eyes? Because that, that's a lot of the pressure, you know, surrounding the program right now. There is that pressure, obviously, for winning season, there should be that pressure. But at the same time, you know, what what is going to be the line, I think, that that Alberts needs this team to get over this year? Spoken like a true journalist, going straight to those uh, mutually agreed upon metrics. I like it. Uh, Luke, switching gears here, when are we going to finally stop figuring out who's being added to the Husker baseball roster? Like, when, when, is, when, when is all of that news going to slow down? And 
how many new guys are we looking at for the for, just for this fall ball po- portion of the schedule? Yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of roster moves, roster changes going on. And to be honest, Caleb, I, I this is kind of just the new future for college baseball. I mean, this is going to be happening. Transfer portal guys going at, at all times of the year. But I, I, I will say, I think the additions are really slowing down. You might see maybe one or two more new guys in the coming weeks. You know, I, I don't think the staff has a ton of different targets that they still need to pick up. Um, because, you know, on, on the flip side, you're probably going to see a couple of different players depart the team too. Um, you know, find a new, new landing spot. Uh, just just because, you know, the, the new scholarship requirements, there's potential for a lot of different schools to add scholarships they didn't have in past years. Obviously, the, the roster limits got bumped up in the last two years because of COVID, um, up to 40 players. So really, they, they, they do need to get down to that 40-player mark. I think they're 42 or 43 right now. I'd have to look at my spreadsheet um, to see for sure. But I think the the incomings are are going to slow down here. But I think kind of the key thing is the staff really identified they need a bunch of pitching. Um, you know, that, that was an issue down the stretch. Obviously, the, the bats had to come along too, but you can never have too much pitching, uh, too many options, and you've seen them go after that. Just added another pitcher late this week, of course. It's <laughs> never going never gonna to slow down yeah. again. I don't Get think. all the transfers, flip all the commits. Yeah. So that's how you got to do it. Uh, Luke Mullen, Lincoln Journal Star. Hey, congrats on the roll. Uh, looking forward to, to keeping reading your stuff uh, in the Journal Star and uh, having you on uh, again in the future. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, there he goes, Luke Mullen. Um, yeah, it, that, that leadership part, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing who the captains are. I think we'll probably know, you know who those four guys are. It's probably the three that you took mm-hmm. to media days plus yep. Casey Thompson. Um, but then, I mean, beyond that, there's, there's got to be some And Matt's shaking his head. Why are you? Why are you shaking your head? I, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think just because uh, you're a starting quarterback is guaranteed that uh, you're going to be the captain and, of the team. And while I agree, who else on offense would be the guy if you have two and two? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. See, that, that's where it breaks down to, as sure. well as everything you've heard from from Whipple, and we'll get into the practice portion of everything we've heard. You've heard from there, sure. But they point to Casey Thompson's leadership. So it's not just because starting quarterback, yeah. it's the leadership portion he's brought since getting to Nebraska. I think that when I'm not I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of when you're the quarterback and you're getting captain. Also, we're talking about a transfer. We're talking about a guy who hasn't been in the locker room, hasn't been in the program for multiple years at this point. I think that plays a factor. Neither was Adrian Martinez that, when he came in as a freshman. That is, that is a good point. That is a good point. But I from what I'm hearing I don't. I don't think that Casey Thompson's going to be the. Uh, I don't. I don't think that he's going to be indicating that he's the quarterback of. Well, uh, after the break, we need to find out who sure. you think the, I, yeah, the captains will be. Out. I don't know, but I just. I don't think that. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be Casey Thompson. Very good tease for a new guy. I like it. That's Matt McMaster joining Caleb and Cole here uh, on the KLI and Husker Hour. Kenny Larrabee's got us live on the Facebook Live at KLI and Huskers. Uh, and, and great new open, by the way. That was uh, That's pretty good stuff from Kenny. Uh, we're going to be right back after this, breaking down all those new pieces. How is it going to fit here for the 2022 Nebraska football season as the first game is 14 days away? Right back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the Y for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Luke Mullen from the Lincoln Journal Star. Just joined us in that last segment. His first appearance on the KLIN Husker Hour. I hope we were gentle enough for him. Uh, if you missed that or anything else on the show, you can always head over to the podcast page. That's at KLIN.com or the Facebook page. That's at KLIN Huskers. That's where we're at right now with the Facebook Live. We've got Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz and Matt McMaster joining us, new contributor here at KLIN. Uh, and we're going to start digging into this 2022 football program because, Caleb, as we've talked about through the position previews this summer, mm-hmm. you feel good in some spots. You feel not good in some other spots. In some spots, you're like, eh, I could see it if I squint hard enough. Right. You got a lot of transfers. Half the coaching staff is new. There's a lot of moving parts here, and and I really want to I really want to kind of go into this again. Of how is this all going to fit with just one off season to get it figured out and a make or break season for not just Scott Frost but the program in general? Yeah, to to me, and this is. I mean, nothing that we're going to say is like earth-shattering, breaking news type of stuff, but it's all going to come back to, can your offensive line do their job? Mm -hmm. Remember, as you and I talked about the offensive line, we said, just be adequate. Like, just get to that portion to where you are not a detriment to the team. Um, You're replacing three starters. One of them went in the second round of the NFL draft. Who was your multi-year starting center? So you got to move someone over there. Going to be Trent Hickson. Yeah. You have to figure out: Can this offensive line just hold up? You don't have to be like the biggest advantage and have a bunch of all-conference dudes. Just hold up. It'd be nice if you could get some of that and get to that point. But if your offensive line can just hold up, then you have got all these transfer playmakers, all these returning playmakers that can have a chance to shine. And that's been. That's been the biggest detriment to the team over the last four years. Giving up sacks, getting pressure in the backfield, penalties. Think about the number of drives that have started with a false start. Yeah. Like, just get the offensive line to not be a giant negative for the rest of the offense, and your playmakers can then have enough opportunities to go be playmakers. The defense, I think, is going to be just fine. Your special teams is, I believe, going to be greatly improved. Your special teams and your specialists are going to be greatly improved from a year ago if for no other reason than the fact that you have somebody dedicated to that phase of the game. But also, they brought in some pretty good dudes as well. And there's a there's a philosophy change on that phase of the game, on who you're going to have over there. Mm-hmm. But it all comes back to, can the offensive line do well enough to help Nebraska put up some more points? I yeah. think my biggest question with the offensive line probably comes down to Will Whipple change how he calls plays based on what they're good at and what they're not good at? And what I mean by that is, if they're bad at pa- or pass protection and they're they're letting in holes, and Casey, who's really good, Casey Thompson is elite at managing the pocket. If you watch film on him from Texas, he is so good at, at escaping pressure, moving up, moving sideways, and whatnot. But my question is, is that if that if they're really bad at pass protection, but they're great at run blocking, will Whipple adjust his offense to? All right, we're going to run the ball now, even though that's not something that he necessarily does. You know, back in Pitt, they ran the ball, but it wasn't it wasn't consistent. They they weren't really a running team. My question is, okay, if they're not good at pass pro, are they going to start running the ball, or are they just going to be like, okay, we're we're just going to hope Casey can move around and make plays? Here's the thing: I think Mark Whipple is good at. I think he's good at figuring out his personnel. To your point, sure. and and going with that. I don't I don't know that last year at Pitt indicates that he's just a guy who's going to abandon the run because he doesn't because he prefers to pass. If you look at the personnel on that team, who is his quarterback? 
Kenny Pickett, Heisman yeah. finalist, first round pick. Absolutely. Who is who is the best wide receiver on the team? Jordan Addison, Blitnikoff winner, <laughs> big time transfer in the portal over to USC. He knew that he had dudes yeah. in the pass game, so he used them. If you look at the roster right now for Nebraska, to your point, it, it, are, are these guys better at pass blocking or run blocking? Uh, I, I would I would maybe skew a little bit to the run block side personally, uh, and and they do I think as a whole feel better about the running back situation than they do at wide receiver. I think if we're talking about pass protection, what you're going to see from Whipple is not maybe change how he's calling. Yeah. whether it's pass or run, I think they're going to change the personnel that they have in there. And by that, I mean, are you going to add a tight end or two tight ends? Sure. If you if you have a matchup that you want with a wide out, um, and then you can obviously, you've got really good pass-catching tight ends that can go out as well. Some of the running back snaps that you're going to see are going to come down to who's the best pass blocker back there. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a lot more of that than rather than, okay, who's the guy who looks good running the ball? Sure. So yeah, if it's the if it's the pass blocking that's the issue and you want to figure out how to cover holes, yeah. I think Whipple's really good at understanding his personnel. There, there's all the stuff about where he took uh, Pitt from where they were ranked in the ACC and nationally with their offense, yards per game, points per game, all of that over a few years. Mm-hmm. To me... As Cole, you were saying, and Matt, you were saying, it's knowing the personnel who's out there on how to play, how to call those plays, but where to put that personnel in order to maximize their effectiveness. And I, I totally agree with you guys. I mean, it's just that's why I brought up that because I think that's the most important factor, and I think that's just the number one thing: of coaching, knowing your personnel, knowing what your guys can do best. And there are some coaches, you know, we've seen the last couple of years of Bears football. I mean, I'm always going to bring <laughs> it back, but that are very stubborn in what they want to do. And, you know, I have it, you know, you see kind of last year of what Whipple did. I'm not fully familiar, you know, with him. And, and I think Husker fans will. There's some Husker fans that aren't fully familiar with what Pitt did. You know, they're in a, a completely different concept, conference with a com- completely different style of play. But I think that you can manage around not having a good offensive line based off how you're calling for that personnel. And I think that's going to be the most important thing, at least for being adequate. I think they can be adequate, but there's going to be have to be a lot of strategy that goes into it from the coaching staff, from Whipple, and, and how they manage, you know, how they play. Speaking of personnel, uh, one, one of the things that, I think is is fun to do is when you see those those posters come out with the the offense yeah. poster the defense poster. <laughs> I think you can glean a little bit from that as far as who the staff actually thinks is going to play a lot. What you mean overanalyze all of the littlest things? I, that's that's what we're doing, baby. Fourteen <laughs> days out. I, I think that's the only deep dive over analyzing that I accept. I think you can, <laughs> seriously. There's a lot of deep diving and oh my god, this means this and me, this means that. I I accept that. I kind of like that. You know, there's you can you can see who's yes. You know they don't they don't just put scrubs on those things they play guys who are going to get actual run on the on the field so (laughs) so by by the numbers on this poster for the offense we'll start with the offense um run uh, offensive line since you started there Caleb. offensive Mm -hmm. line four guys you got ben hart prohaska corcoran hickson tight end one travis vocal yeah you've got how many running backs do you think three two four wow ramir jacques Anthony Grant, Gabe Irvin. Yep. How many wide receivers do you think are on that poster? For doing math, <laughs> uh, probably two. Omar, Omar definitely Four. is on there. Two. Omar, two. Omar, and Oliver Martin. Omar and Trey Palmer. Oh, those are the only two wide receivers on the offense poster. Do with that what you will, Husker Nation. <laughs> uh, defensively, so. In terms of well, and we did hear from Whipple that he wants to use three running backs. So those four running backs, that does not surprise me at all. Right. The wide receivers part tells me there's a lot more that's open. Oh yeah, that that might be a Mickey Joseph thing. Frost knocks on Mickey Joseph's door. Hey Mickey, uh, we, we're doing the poster. How many hey, of these guys? Mickey, do you think you're so fun. You're so fun. That's yes. not okay. Yeah, I'll keep. Anyway, it how many wide receivers you want? To Asking poster? Mickey Joseph. Hey, how many guys? Uh, not very many. Like you thinking three, four, one. What, what's the minimum Two. you can let me have on that? I don't want any <laughs> yeah. of them on the poster. Yeah, right, I well, mean, we got to have a whiteout on the. You got to do something, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so that that might be how that went. I don't know, but I that, I would envision something like that. So defensively, uh, D lineman, you have two: mm-hmm. Ty Robinson and Stefan Wynn. Mm-hmm. Oh, Devin Drew's not on that poster because Devin Drew was not here. De- Devin Drew went to been here when the pictures poster. were taken. <laughs> he just got to pr- to campus this week, Wednesday. Yeah, uh, outside linebacker slash edge. 
Caleb, Three. Caleb, mm-hmm. Caleb, Garrett Nelson, and O'Shawn Mathis. Mm-hmm. Uh, safety. I, I'm, I'm going to quote unquote safety. Farmer, for sure. Yeah, Miles Farmer and uh, Brown, Marcus Buford. Oh. He's yeah, the only other it. safety with, with Miles Farmer. Those yeah. those are, uh, I think, probably your two favorites. Uh, in terms of inside linebackers, those are pretty obvious. You just have the two, Nick Henrich, Luke Reimer. Uh, and then cornerbacks, one, Quentin mm-hmm. Newsom. So Isaac Gifford, maybe the guy at nickel. He's not on the poster. Uh, Stephon Wynn, maybe the second starter at D-line. But yeah, the win maybe one, not. He's, the, he is on the poster, though. The win one surprises yeah, me a I, little bit because little bit. I, I feel like when he came into the transfer, people were like, oh, that's surprising. We already have our, our D-line somewhat set. You have, I hear Nash is having an, an awesome camp thus far, and you got mm-hmm. Ty Robinson, and, and you're bringing in these guys. And then, you know, Win carries a lot of weight for just being a, a four-star who was at Alabama. He really didn't get a whole lot Alabama of run factor, there, yeah. you know? So it's kind of like... That's kind of. I think he's probably the most intriguing transfer. I mean, maybe that's a hot take, just because you got a guy who was on a national, you know, roster, who was traveling with the team, who was good enough to to be looked at as a guy who'll step up if there are big injuries, mm-hmm. especially with all those draft picks they had on that defensive line. I think it's very interesting. He's he's kind of literally a poster boy for for the defense. But you are also you don't add someone to that room. If you're bringing back a bunch of guys who got a bunch of snaps, and yeah. that's just not what you got a lot of talented guys that sure. we are expecting to take the next step. Absolutely. But that was one of the places that they said we have to fill a gap in case someone, yeah. one, is hurt or doesn't improve to the level that we need them to get to by the time the season starts. And don't, and don't forget, he and Devin Drew were both brought in through the transfer portal right after Casey Rogers transferred out. Yeah. Rogers and Robinson were the only guys on the interior who had any experience. Like Marquise Black has a tackle. Nash Hutmacher, I don't think, even made a tackle mm-hmm. in no, his appearances no. last year. Um you just don't have experience there. Colton Feast may be the guy starting opposite Ty Robinson on day one. Um the walk on from Utah yep. shout out Dan Krychek. Um, so that is that is a situation there, and and so yeah, De- Stefan Wynn being in that position to to be photographed sure. for the defensive sure. poster, uh, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, that does indicate that hey, they needed somebody. Devin Drew ain't here yet. Maybe he is talented enough, picked up the scheme quick enough, has has been able to integrate himself into the defense uh, quickly enough to be a factor there. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's take a quick break. We'll we'll keep this conversation going on the other side. Matt McMaster's been to the two practices. Yes. I think we need to get his thoughts on what he's been able to gather. I'm yeah. excited. I got I got a whole couple pages. I'm sure of you weren't here. standing next to Luke seeing the exact same thing. I don't know. I probably you don't even know what you didn't even know what Luke looked like till this. No, morning. I don't know what I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who anyone at that the the thing looks like. I just went up to Greg Sharp and was like, "Hey, I know no one. Nice to meet you." So <laughs> he's a blank. It out. He's a blank slate, folks. He's right here for us. It's Matt McMaster, Caleb, and Cole here with you uh, as well, and more to come right after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. New guy in the studio means plenty of talking during breaks. Yes, we're, we're back. We're getting... Learning. <laughs> We're getting this content back on the air now here as uh, as we kick back in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what has been going on at practice because, Matt, you've had a chance to be there uh, along with the media, and, and you've got some observations. He's media now. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a pass. I got a pass. I keep my bag wherever I go. Uh, Sorry, let me amend that statement with the rest of the media. There we go. Yeah, so Thank tell, you. Let's start, Thank you. Let's start somewhere. <laughs> tell us what you got. So... I'll start with the defense first, just because I definitely didn't watch them as much as I was watching the offense, and partly was because, um, you know, they're solid. You know that you you kind of know coming into the season with who they've gotten back and the transfers that they've gotten in yeah. that they're going to be good. And the so offense I, has prettier storylines. Exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm all about the storylines. So <laughs> I did. I didn't watch them too much, but I did make a list. I did make a list here of guys who can be in the front seven, and I have nine names. And I think that's a big deal just because, especially in college football, when you can have so a lot of depth and just circling guys in and out in that front seven where you're going to get a lot of 
you know, a lot, a lot of hands on the knees, a lot of guys who are going to be tired. I think that's so important. So Garrett Nelson, Nick, how do you say, I say Heinrich. How do you? How, it's, how, it's, it's Henrich. Henrich? So okay. it's Nick Henrich. It's Heinrich Harper. I, exactly. That's where I get <laughs> messed up. Like, I, you can't tell. Okay, so Nick Henrich, yeah. Nelson, Luke Reimer, Caleb Tanner, Nash, uh, Devin Drew, Stefan Wynn. Uh, Ty Robinson, O'Shawn Mathis, if I'm missing anyone. I mean, those are kind of the those main... Those are your names, yeah. Yeah, those are the main guys I was looking at. And look, they all look like animals. They all look really good. you got experience up and down. It, this defense, I think the first couple weeks of the season, and I know we're not getting into you know uh, prediction time yet, but if I had to make an educated guess, I think the offense is going to struggle a little bit just because you have a lot of new pieces, you have a new quarterback, you have wide receivers that, you know, wide receivers and quarterbacks meshing, it's a, it's an important thing. It doesn't happen right away. You're going to have yeah. guys who have good chemistry right away, and you're going to have guys that they need to work into it. I think this defense with just that depth is going to be able to carry this this uh, this offense and this team for the first couple weeks and just keep them in games, and I think that's so important. Um because you know it is early in the season, but every every game matters, right? And you got to you got to yeah. win these early ones. As you mentioned those names, so number one, Oshawn Mathis is really exciting. Obviously, he's yeah. the the biggest transfer portal get for Nebraska. One of the top guys that was available uh, when they got him. And then I still come back to that interior defensive line. You feel good everywhere else, but. Really, Ty Robinson, in terms of this scheme, is the only guy with experience and having done it. Stephon Wynn, Devin Drew, new guys from other systems. Devin Drew's got a lot of playing experience the last couple of years at Texas Tech. And then Nash Hutmacher, he knows the system better than those two guys, but has not done it on the yeah. field yet. So I'm still a little bit skeptical of that particular position, especially sure. knowing how Northwestern may try to attack Nebraska. One of their two best running backs was out all of last season. He's healthy again. They may try to slow this game down, just just make it a slugfest and, and keep it close so that their players continue to believe. And if they do that... You say in one score game? Well, this is well, how this, we roll. I mean, that's what that's Pat, how we roll. Well, that's, that's how Pat Fitzgerald wins games. Yes. I mean, that's that's he is such a good coach. Whenever you talk about, and I've and I've been around it. Whenever you talk about coaches in general in in Chicago, it's it's whoever the Bears are, and then it's Pat Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of just respect, and um, he is he Pat Fitzgerald and that Northwestern or, or team in general, other than the fifty six to seven loss they had against us last year. I mean, they're always going to find ways to keep themselves within games. Um, so no, I think that's a great point. But just in terms of what I saw on, yeah. in practice, they looked really good. I didn't see a whole lot of the secondary. I will say this. I I talked to Miles Farmer and went to the first press conference of the fall uh, training camp, um, and he really talked about being a leader. And he was really serious and really composed in terms of how he wanted to be a leader for that secondary. How think he he said, "Hey, I, I've gotten fast this offseason. I put in a lot of work." Um, I think that there are a lot of people who are impressed with how he's done during this camp, and I was, you know, looking at the cornerbacks, he was always in the front of the line. He was always talking to the players. He was always the the first guy up. Um, I remember in the second practice, the DBs were doing a drill, and he was, everyone was facing towards the field, and he was facing them, like he was leading the drill, like he was the captain. And it's just those little things that I think are so important, and I think when you're looking at who they lost last year in that secondary, Cam Taylor-Britt, um, was the leader of that secondary. And there's definitely is leadership that needs to be stepped up. And I think that's it's just big to see kind of how he's talking about that and how he's showing that in practice. So it's just, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily see how his footwork is or, or how you know is he faster or this and that or or you know how's Brown looking or how's um uh those other how you know Javen Wright there's actually been a lot of talk about him coming back from injuries mm-hmm. and the blood clots and yeah. and whatnot. And you know now now he's playing nickel. I didn't really see all of that up close, but just kind of seeing him just step up as a leader farmer, I think, is, is something to look for, and I think it's a big deal for that secondary. Uh, now to the interesting stuff, now to the offense. Um, <laughs> I talked to Caleb, uh, Caleb about this. Casey Thompson's short balls, mm-hmm. uh, short throws, are really impressive. And, and they were already impressive on film, but just seeing the whip in general, seeing how he just gets it. His motion is super clean. It's very short. He really puts his hips into it. Um, his deep balls, I, I think they're... I think he knows the arm that he has, and I'm a little nervous. Just I hope he doesn't try to take anything off of his throws to pinpoint 
um, a deep throw in the end zone or anything like that. Throw it, don't aim it. Yeah, it, that's that's what I'm little because you know when they were throwing throwing deep throws in the first practice, it looked like he was taking a little bit off of them sometimes. And yes, they were being caught, and yes, they were their completions. But like that is the those are the those are the picks right there. That's the where you get the safety coming across the field, intercepting it. That's when yeah. you got cornerbacks catching up to that wide receiver being able to turn around and get him. So I think in terms of the medium. That 10 to 30 yard range, I think he's money. But once you start getting to 35, 40, 50, you know, we're start looking to get things in the end zone. A little concerned. I, I don't, shouldn't, you shouldn't pull the panic button or anything like that. But that's just the little, the little stuff you, you, you see at a half hour practice, right? All right. Very quick hits as we got to hit our last sure. break. Quarterback, who's it going to be? Uh, Casey Thompson. Wide receivers. Three of them. Palmer, Brown, Manning. Who is the first running back to get a carry? Grant. All right. Alante Brown. Interesting. I, I really like Brown. And he was getting some carries. He was getting some carries uh, with the second team during that second practice. So. He, he was he was one of the favorite uh, guys to mention in spring ball, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right up there with Marquise Buford, and he made the posters. So. Triple option and Omar Manning in motion going Chancellor Brewington on dudes. Yeah. I saw they every time every time they were throwing Manning in motion and, and the running back was going right to his side. I think it's scary in, in terms of how big he is and how fast he is. Very good. That's uh, Matt McMaster with some practice thoughts. And uh, we're going to be back right after this to wrap things up. Uh, don't go away. This is the K-Lion Husker Hour. 4871. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Wrapping things up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, one uh, one or two more nuggets from practice. Uh, what do you got, Matt? Uh, we've talked about the O-line players specifically, Teddy yeah. and Turner and Hickson and whatnot. I want to talk about Donovan Rayola. He's a really good coach, and and there are, there are certain coaches' coaching styles. Biased. And, well, I you know he's from the Bears. I love him. He's great, you know, and he's really good at at, at that. You know the old, uh, the run block O line. But look, there. Mark Whipple when he coaches, he doesn't say a whole lot. Yeah. D- Donovan Rayola when he coaches, he is screaming, he's yelling, he's telling his guys, clear your hips, get those knuckles up, keep pushing, be strong. I just love. He that. also has some language that we can't. No, say. we can't say. He's got some of the best one liners I've ever heard from coaches say. I mean, it's quite. And you incredible. told me it's not just for the starters. It's everyone. It's who everybody. Gets it's everybody. It, whether you're the last guy or the first guy, he is giving these guys tips on how to get better. I've just been so impressed by him and his coaching and, and his development of these guys. And that's really cool because he's so soft-spoken off the field right. when he's with the media. So it's a very it's cool to see that and the different side of, of somebody when you're coaching. All right. Break the curse. August 25th. It's coming. We We've hear got, from Scott Frost today. Two more we practices do. this weekend. Yeah, just a short while from now. So uh, stay tuned to Caleb's Twitter feed. He'll be over there uh, very shortly. All right. Just 14 days away. Go Big Red.